0: Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, from time to time, I'm sure you'll hear phrases and I have heard phrases such as, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, or maybe he's a chip off the old block. These are sayings people use to describe children who look like their parents or maybe act like their parents, maybe have the same character. Other phrases include, oh, that, that girl's a carbon copy of her mom. Or perhaps, oh that boy, he's a dead ringer of his dad. Or even those kids are the spitting image of their parents. Now from time to time I see pictures of some of my old classmates' children. And I often can't help but see their parents. When I see those those kids, they look exactly the same. Now usually when we experience this type of thing, it doesn't carry any negative meaning. It's a simply a fact of life and a really interesting one, too. However, there is one situation where there is, this is definitely not a good thing. All humans are born as carbon copies of their first parents, Adam and Eve. And that is not before the fall into sin, but after the fall into sin. We are born carbon copies not in terms of our looks, in terms of our uh, spiritual condition, our sinful condition. In Lord's Day 2, we studied the sobering reality of our great debt of sin before God. Lord's Day 2 ended by saying, I am inclined by nature to hate God and my neighbor. That's who we are by nature. Well, the next logical question is, well, where... Did that evil nature, where did our evil nature come from? The answer is from the fall into sin in Adam and Eve. And one thing we hope to see from Scripture this afternoon is this. The sin of Adam and Eve is not just a sin that affected our condition, but it's a sin we actually share in. And because it's a sin we share in, every human stands in need of the saving grace of God— but thankfully by god's grace he's also worked a wonderful salvation. So I've this afternoon I've summarized the sermon as follows like father like son in adam's fall we sinned all and we're going to look at three things in connection with that theme. First of all we'll look at our original goodness. We'll look at original sin and then we'll look at our god who saves. Now, it's crystal clear when we look at the world that humans are far from perfect. There is sin and corruption everywhere. Suffering also fills creation, and we experience suffering in our own lives. And when people look at that, and when they experience that, sometimes they ask, how did this happen? How is this possible? And even to go a step further If God is really good, as the Bible says He is, why is there so much sin and suffering in the world? Maybe you've struggled with that before. And some even use this as a reason to reject God or stop serving Him altogether. Listen again to that description at the end of Lord's Day 2. I am inclined by nature to hate God and my neighbor. How did we get like that? And part of us might wonder if the fall into sin should be blamed on God in any way. That's what often can arise in our hearts. Is the Lord at fault for how things are in the world? And this is one thing at the heart of Lord's Day 3. It's something we need to explore from Scripture. Lord's Day 3 looks at the fall into sin. Here we study why our spiritual condition is so bad and where it came from. And at the outset, it must be emphasized that God cannot be faulted for human sin. And that is something we must have firmly seated in our minds. God cannot be faulted for human sin. People sometimes ask. Maybe, maybe you have asked yourself. You know, doesn't the fall into sin show that humans were created with some kind of defect? Why else could we sin and rebel? Why did God even create us with the opportunity to sin? You know, on the day of judgment, pretty sure there will be plenty of people who go to the judgment seat of Christ who have convinced themselves that God is the one to blame for sin and for the state of the world. Beloved, never make that mistake. It's a dead end. And those who hold on to that belief will be shown to be wrong, completely wrong. The reality is the fall into sin does not show any kind of defect in our creation whatsoever. This is what Lord's Day 3 also explores. Lord's Day 3 begins by asking, Did God then create man so wicked and so perverse? The answer we confess from Scripture is this, No, on the contrary, God created man good and in his image, that is, in true righteousness and holiness, so that he might rightly know God as Creator, heartily love Him, and live with Him in eternal blessedness to praise and glorify Him. Now, perhaps you've heard these, this sort of thing so often that it's easy to gloss over how amazing this truth is about God creating us in His own image. We were made with a capacity to act like God in so many ways. We were made to reflect who He is and what He does as far as our uh, human nature allows us to. And by being made in God's image, we could love God freely, we could praise Him so wonderfully. And we could live in close, loving fellowship with him. And this amazing truth shows, first of all, God's astounding power. I want you to think about that. Sometimes we forget that we are creatures, mere creatures. And God made a creature, humans, that have a will that can make Choices, their own choices and moral choices at that. God is so powerful, He made a creature that could freely love Him. And Almighty God, the infinite God, made a creature with whom He Himself can have a relationship and wants a relationship we are creatures. God is infinite and powerful, uh, infinitely powerful, and he wants a relationship with his creatures, humans. It's amazing. Simply incredible. Shows God's power what he created when he created humans. And this amazing truth also shows uh, the wonderful privilege we have as humans, no other creature on earth is made in God's image. No other creature can praise God so wonderfully as humans can. No other creature can love God and know God and be known and loved by God like we can. You see, by making humans in his image, God gave us the best gift of all. This is the ultimate honor that God could have bestowed on a creature to make a creature in His own image. We have the highest honor imaginable. You know what? God is the ultimate source of all that is good. And the greatest possible delight there is and the greatest possible joy there is is found in knowing God and living in close fellowship with Him. that's what God gave to humans. So far from being made with any defects, God made humans in the best possible way. But at the same time, being made in the image of God also comes with a tremendous responsibility. You know, in one sense... Humans are very weak creatures. We know that uh, we need a steady supply of food and water to survive. Without a constant stream of oxygen, we quickly perish. But on the other hand, in another sense, humans are extremely powerful. Being made in the image of God means we have a tremendous capacity for good, and to cause life uh, to flourish. On the flip side, we can also use our bodies and our minds to create great destruction. So, when God created humans, a creature in his own image, he created a powerful creature. And you know what? God did not create a robot when he made humans. You know, if you created a robot, and program that robot to say, I love you every day. And guess what? You know that that robot doesn't actually love you. It's just mindlessly repeating what you programmed it to say. God did not create humans that way, He created us to love Him. And love is only really love when it's freely given. We know that in our relationships. Love is only really love when it's freely given. This possibility to freely love God then also entails a possibility of rejecting God, of sin. It's not because there was some kind of defect in humans when God made us. Rather, the possibility of sin shows the amazing privilege and responsibility we had as creatures made in God's own image. That brings us to the second point. Our Lord's Day 3 moves on. From where then did man's depraved nature come? The answer is as follows. From the fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise. For there our nature became so corrupt that we are all conceived and born in sin. The sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, brought sin into the world. And it brought sin into the world not just as an individual act on their part. Instead, it was an act that caused the entire human race to fall from God. You see, Adam's sin was not his sin alone. Rather, it was a rebellion that we shared in. So that's why we also have the the saying, maybe you've heard it before, it's in the theme, in Adam's fall, we sinned all. Now this is not something we just made up, this is something that our reading from Romans 5 is teaching us. Listen to how the Holy Spirit teaches us this in, in that passage. There it says, "'Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin,' And so death spread to all men because all sinned. So do you understand what God is showing us here? We all sinned in Adam, in that first sin. And this is confirmed by what this passage says in the very next verse, verse 13. Death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Now, what do those words mean? Well, Paul has just stated that death entered the world through sin. It's just as God told Adam and Eve in paradise, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. They ate from it, and they died. This sin, however, caused the death of all those after Adam and Eve also. And this is proven by the fact that people from Adam to Moses all died. That's what Romans 5 is telling us. Why is this the case? Because, Paul says, sin is not counted where there is no law. And God only gave the law later on through Moses. That being the case, Romans 5 asks. Why did all those people from Adam to Moses die? It's because they share in the sin of Adam. That's what God is teaching us here in Romans 5. Now, it's not that the other sins of those people from Adam to Moses didn't matter. Romans 5 says that. Sin was indeed in the world before the giving of the law. However, the argument being made here is that original sin was at the root of death before the giving of the law. All those people, their death is primarily attributed to that first sin in the Garden of Eden. Adam's sin guaranteed their death because they all shared in that sin. And this truth is emphasized throughout the rest of this passage. Verse 15, many died through one man's trespass. Verse 17, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Verse 18 especially, one trespass led to condemnation for all men. Verse 19, by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So the truth is is that this is a sin that we share in too. We have all rebelled against God in Adam. And this has led to the dreadful spiritual condition of humans, the condition by which we're born into this world. You know, in the Scriptures, they don't mince their words about how bad it is either. Consider only the following text. Uh, Many others could be mentioned. There's Ephesians 2, verse 1. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Spiritually dead. Romans 7, verse 18, Paul says, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, my old nature. Finally, there's Titus 3, verse 3. We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and be. Hated by others and hating one another. Oh, and we could could go on. And all of this teaching from Scripture is why Lord's Day 3 ends the way that it does. But are we so corrupt that we are totally unable to do any good and inclined to all evil? The answer is yes, unless we are regenerated by the Spirit of God. So... We are so corrupt that we are totally unable to do any good and inclined to all evil. That is how we are in our natural state, our old nature. It echoes Paul's words in Romans 7, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. So there's nothing good in my sinful nature and without the regenerating work of the Spirit. That's all I have, a sinful nature. You see, in the original sin of Adam, Humans, en masse, turned away from God, and they stayed turned away. It's not like we turned away from God by that first sin and then immediately turned back to Him. No. Humans remained in that state of rebellion. And the thing is that humans will continue in that state of rebellion if left to themselves. And this state of man leads to all the other manner of sins that we do commit in life. As we confess in Belgian Confession, Article 15, As a root, original sin produces in man all sorts of sin. Furthermore, sin continually streams forth like water, welling up from this woeful source. So individual acts of sin proceed from this stance of rebellion against God. And this is also why even the good works of fallen humans are not truly good in the sight of God. They proceed from a stance of rebelling against God. And yes, humans often do many things that we would consider, you know, good things. They donate money to worthwhile causes. Uh, they help their neighbors who are in need. Many such things. And we should be thankful that that does take place in this world. However, as I've mentioned in times past, it's worth repeating here. Fallen humans will do all kinds of good works as long as they don't need to give up this fundamental stance of rebellion against God. Fallen humans will do any number of good works as long as they can remain as kings and queens of their own lives instead of God. And that attitude Is at the heart of sin and our sinful nature. That brings us to our last point. So as you can see, the picture of the human condition looks really bleak. And it is. There's no getting around it. But I'm not telling you this this message this afternoon so that you can go home uh, depressed. Far from it. Just as God showed His power in creating humans, so he shows his power in saving humans. You know, the fall into sin, as I described, it devastated humans and uh, nature. But we have our God, and God can do far more than all that we ask or imagine. And the salvation he created mirrors how we share in Adam's sin, except in reverse. Let me explain. So, Adam, of course, stands as a special figure in relation to the rest of humans. Everyone on earth is born connected to Adam and his rebellion. And, of course, we can summarize this truth by saying all people are in Adam. In Adam's fall, we sinned all. The salvation God gives works in a similar way. Jesus Christ is the other special person in world history like Adam he stands in relation to humans, much like Adam did. He's a representative person, a king. As Romans 5 verse 14 says, Adam was a type of the one who was to come. That is, he was a person who functions in the world like Jesus Christ would in the future. The salvation God gives to rebellious sinners is through this one man. Jesus Christ, and him alone. And that's what Paul is emphasizing in Romans 5. Verse 15, the free gift, that is the free gift of salvation, is not like the trespass of Adam. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Verse 19, by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. This is the wonderful salvation God has worked for us. It works in the same way, similar way to the fall into sin, but in reverse. In Adam's fall, we sinned all, but the reverse is true for believers. Jesus Christ came, born, not like the rest of us with a sinful nature. He was born, conceived and born in a perfect, as a perfect image of God. And He himself uh, kept that image all throughout his life, all the way to death. And in Christ's wonderful obedience, his lifelong obedience, we are counted as having obeyed by Christ's righteousness, we ourselves are counted righteous before God. It's not by our own works that we gain a standing. It's through the work of that one man, Jesus Christ, and Him alone. And so we find our righteousness in Christ. Just as in Adam and by His fall we are sinners, so in Christ and by His righteousness we are counted righteous. It's simple but it's beautiful. You know, the study of our sinful nature revealed a devastating diagnosis of the human condition. And it's not nice to think about and study. But that turn also prepares us for the salvation of God in Jesus Christ, which is wonderful. And he not only gives us the righteousness of Christ, but he also gives us his spirit. To regenerate us. Well, that's what we also saw at the end of Lord's Day 3. Are we so corrupt that we are com- totally unable to do any good and inclined to all evil? Yes, unless we are regenerated by the Spirit of God. Now, we don't use that word regenerated very often outside of the Bible, but you can probably hear the root word for Genesis, in that word regeneration or regenerated. And that's what we should think of. When you hear the word regenerate or regeneration, you can think of regenerate, or regenesis, sorry. Another Genesis. God, by the Spirit, is creating us like how he first made us right at the very beginning, recreating us. To be regenerated means to be born again to be made new, to be recreated. And it's true. Apart from this regenerating work of the Spirit, humans cannot do what is truly good. But by this regenerating work, our nature is renewed. And so the Spirit is at work to heal us. He's healing us from the poison of sin that we brought into our hearts by the fall into sin and in our rebellion. He's at work to remove sin and evil desires from our hearts and lives. He's refining us so that all the evil impurities that had filled our souls would be burned up and removed forever. And you know what? That can be a painful process to go through. Daily we groan under the weakness of our own sinful flesh. But it's a process the Holy Spirit is committed to for the long haul. And he will, make it, he will make us perfect in the end. And when He has finally finished His work, then we will be completely free from sin forever. Amen.